All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield, holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We're brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating and check us out live here Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the DraftKings YouTube channel, DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and more. Fun one today and got a packed house coming in here. Jason Fitz from Yahoo Sports is going to help us break down the college football playoff committee's rankings from last night and some interesting things starting to show up in the picture. I think there's going to be one bit of the ranking in particular that most people hone on this time around, and it's not what you're thinking at number one. We've also got Will Anderson Jr., former Alabama linebacker, current Houston Texans defensive end, stopping by to join us, talk about their season, the good vibes Texans, and the differences between D'Amico Ryans and Nick Saban, <laughs> which I'd imagine are many. But uh, it is also Wednesday, and that means it is exciting for us and the perfect time, given last yes. night's events, to bring in our dear friend, your dear friend, Charlotte Wilder, co-host of Oddball with Amin El Hassan, whose graphic every week gets yes, cooler and has more things does. involved happening with it for Wilder Wednesday. Charlotte, you are truly our most honored guest. 
I mean, I'm so honored. I feel like, yeah, the gra- it, it started moving a little bit more now. What do they call that in the biz? Animation? What is this? The 1930s? Um, I'm so happy to be here, guys. I feel like we, I feel like the basketball gods have gifted us with um, the most incredible content that we couldn't have seen coming even as of, you know, 8.30 Eastern last night. So I love when a, I love when a show plan gets completely ripped up overnight because stuff was just too good and you have to talk about it. You know, that's the best thing for people behind the curtain a little bit. You, you can see it on SportsCenter or really any show. You kind of set, you know, for this show, it's kind of a loose rundown of where you want to go. But then things that happen, you like Charlotte said, you just rip it up and you know you have to start somewhere else. We were going to start with the firing of Ken Dorsey, the OC for the Buffalo Bills. But we found out last night, Charlotte, that the in-season tournament means something to these players. As the Golden State and Minnesota decided to get multiple players thrown out in the first minute and 40 seconds of the game because they want the trophy and they want the $500,000 each for the win. I couldn't believe it. I actually, you know, we had league passed on and it was like, okay, should we put on Clippers Nuggets? Should we put on Timberwolves Warriors? And I was like, oh, definitely Clippers Nuggets. Like, let's see what these clowns in L.A. are up to. Um, and <laughs> then, uh, you know, my husband gets an alert on his phone and he was like, wait, what? It was like Clay Thompson jersey ripped. And we were like, that game's been on for like a minute and a half. And then it was just mayhem. It was absolute mayhem. Um, Mike, did you did you see this coming? <laughs> I, I did not see this coming, and for anyone that may have missed it, if you're waking up yeah. right now and for whatever reason didn't digest this, Charlotte is absolutely right. You look on the score bug of a lot of the images that are going to come from the fight from the Warriors and Timberwolves game. It is 0-0. The score is 0-0 at the point in the game where this happens, where there's an altercation between Clay Thompson, is it uh, Jaden McDaniels? Jaden McDaniels, yes. Yeah. It's Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels are getting into a bit of altercation. Rudy Gobert comes over to insert himself in this, and this is when preparation met opportunity. Draymond Green, who I'd <laughs> imagine is in a chorus of people who just don't like Rudy Gobert. I would imagine if you took a poll of NBA players, Rudy Gobert is probably the most disliked player in the league for a litany of reasons, and Draymond Green decides to come out over here and exercise his NBA fight rights by choking out Rudy Gobert. And full rear naked chokehold. Like, he sunk this thing in. He had the fist in there. Everything. And then it all ensued from there. That was really dead. I think the end of it is... Everyone else seemed a little bit surprised when the chokehold came out. They obviously all got ejected in here. I saw Rudy Gobert saying and putting on his tinfoil hat that, oh, because Steph Curry was resting tonight, Draymond Green didn't want to play in this game, and so he went out and made sure he got himself thrown out pretty early on in this one. But, Dad, in terms of overall fight quality because this is some of the most action we've gotten in a while you are a member of a philadelphia eagles team especially on defense under buddy ryan that encouraged fighting maybe more than any administration in the history of the free world how does this one hit for you so okay let's break this one down um the and again it was a minute 40 in when this happened it's the first time in the past 25 years that there have been multiple ejections before a point has been scored. And you laid it out. Jaden McDaniels and Clay Thompson kind of got into it away from the ball and going down the court. Clay Thompson was 
couldn't believe he got thrown out. But it was McDaniels, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. Those were the three that were thrown out. So this is a dissection of a fight. Draymond Green, because of his history, is basically going to get tossed no matter what, even if he's trying to be the peacemaker. But he wasn't here. So as Mike said, he gets Rudy Gobert in a chokehold. So there's, there's fighting in a way that you can get away with and then fighting and then knowing not to cross the line to get thrown out. Draymond Green, as he usually does, crosses the line and gets thrown out. He keeps the chokehold. I mean, he is trying to put Rudy Gobert to sleep. He has that thing in so tight. It's like, Mike, when we were doing the show in Jacksonville and you were screwing around and got me in a rear chokehold and almost ended me right there without you even realizing it. You had it in pretty deep. He was trying to get it in deep and work it, okay? So Rudy Gobert, at that point, you would think, you're getting choked, man. You're going to go nuts to get out of it. He throws his hands up. This is where it gets kind of smart. He's not going to get tossed. Watch Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns gets behind Draymond and is thinking about putting Draymond in a chokehold. He actually almost starts to do it, and then he stops. Almost like he understands, and maybe I'm giving him more credit than he deserves, the line of, if I do this, I'm probably going to get tossed too. Because Gobert and and Carl Anthony Towns both stayed in the game. Minnesota won the game, by the way. So in fighting, there's a line you know if you cross it, you're gone no matter what. Klay Thompson still has no idea why he got ejected. Neither does Steve Kerr. Draymond Green never questioned anything. After that stop, Draymond Green just starts walking off the court because he knows he's gone. And Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns get to stay on the court because they didn't cross the line of you knowing in your sport what you have to do to get tossed. So I thought, oh, yeah, what see. the intricacies of what within the fight to me are always very interesting now see charlotte i'm completely disagreeing here is really I'm looking at carl anthony town sideways one and dragonfly jones posted this uh tr- pointed this out on twitter draymond when cat went to go try and headlock him tucked the chin tucked the chin didn't give him Smart access move. deterred access yep. pretty instantly i don't think carl actually wanted in on that carl anthony towns is another guy who deals with the label of like does he really want the smoke like that i'm a firm believer he didn't want these problems in that charlotte i think he was ducking the action and honestly in every fight dad you know this when the, when the frame shows up and you're watching a fight after in the film room or something like that the only directive used to be you need to be running towards the action. If you're standing Absolutely. in the back, people are going to be wondering what the deal is here. And if I'm Rudy Gobert, I'm looking up. Cat and Ant-Man were both right there, not doing a damn thing. And I looked at that and I was like, oh, they really don't mess with that dude because nobody was coming to help for him, Charlotte. No, they weren't. And also, uh, Steve Kerr said this in the in the press conference afterwards, but if you look at the fight, if you break it down, as we all did because we are journalists, um, yeah. you can see <laughs> that, that Rudy has Clay first first in a like neck lock and then like under under the arm. So it, it you could make the argument that it looks like he's trying to drag Clay away from Jaden McDaniel. He said he even was. Jaden Mc- yeah. Right. He said he was. Yeah. And Jaden McDaniels has Clay like pretty intense. I would say I don't think Clay should have gotten ejected. Um, I mean, maybe I don't know, maybe not even McDaniels. Like, I, I think that there was if you just give him each attack and keep going, right. that would have been fine. Um, but you see Gobert. Gobert's being a little bit of a sneak in this entire situation, as he always is, because he comes in. He's got his arm around Clay's neck first. And Draymond sees that. And I'm not defending Draymond Green, but I am saying he saw his boy get 
choked yep. up and he was like, oh, okay, try me, Rudy. Like he was looking, who isn't, who, who isn't in the league looking for an excuse to do that? And then afterwards, as Mike said, putting the tinfoil hat on, but he also said, Rudy Gobert said of Draymond Green, this is clown behavior. Mm. And if you don't think the next time that these two teams meet, we are in for oh. some, I mean, when they said when Adam Silver said in season tournament, maybe these guys were like, "Oh, so he means like an old timey jousting tournament. Like there's going to yeah. be blood on the court. Like this is it's it's more than we ever could have wished for in November of the NBA season." A hundred percent, and I think that's the right takeaway from this, Charlotte, because those two teams have always had beef. I saw a lot of them resurfacing. The tweet from Rudy Gobert, insecurity is always the loudest. The tweet that Draymond then referenced later on in the postseason uh, when those two teams were out there. There's plenty of bad blood there, but you were absolutely right. Dad, last night saved the in-season tournament, or maybe not saved yeah. it, but made the in-season tournament because we had been searching around, wondering, what is this sort of amorphous blob of an idea? How's it actually coming together to players actually care about this and right wrong or indifferent whether you believe Dre was actually trying to get off the court between that between uh Anthony Davis getting into it a little bit in the Memphis Grizzlies game him and Desmond Bain barking at each other after a hard foul by AD under the basket last night had everything you could want if you were the commissioner to be able to look and say look they care Look, they care about my thing. Look, people are talking about the NBA. I'm sure this can be all over first take and all the talk shows today. This yep, is going to rise yep. to the national level and cut through on a Wednesday during football season. It's exactly where you want to live if you're Adam Silver in the NBA. This is perfect timing. Yeah, yeah, they love that. And and as we all know, it had nothing to do with the in-season tournament. Nothing to do with it at all. Um, and, and listen, you may be right about Carl Anthony Towns not wanting the smoke here, but he never crossed the line. And he was trying to grab Draymond Green. He tried to go around the neck, yeah. and you're right about Draymond. Well, I mean, listen, he did what you're supposed he to do. He alligator-armed it. He did what you're supposed to do is you grab the other color jersey. That's what you do in a fight. You don't grab your own guy because then your own guy can get it worse because you're I holding you your own guy. I need you to grab a little more forcefully than that. Like, okay, I need you to right, want to no, no, grab him fine. a little bit. All right, Help that's me. fine. Help that, me. That's fine. He was, he was, well, he was trying to grab him and, and, and another was reaching around trying to grab him. Listen, he didn't get tossed out of the game. It's the bottom. You want him to rip Draymond off there, he's going to get tossed. I mean, you got to be smart about it. You, then, you know, then you sit there and you get the ridiculous comments. Well, I'm a man. You know, I'm not going to get, you know, acting like that in the court. And then you're Hell out of yeah. the game. I mean, you can't do that. That That's ridiculous. That That's this machoism that, that needs that. I just want to say needs to be gone. And listen, again, this is from a guy that used to fight all the time, but we never crossed the line. We didn't get guys thrown out. You, you, you grab the other jersey, you do what you got to do, and you don't get thrown out of the game. So I'm not going to sit there and rip Carl Anthony Towns because he didn't go and pound on Draymond and get tossed out of the game. I mean, I'm not going to do it. The object is, at the end of the day, is to win the game. And it's, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't run the other way. If you want to say he didn't do enough, okay. But he didn't run the other way. You know, you want this machoism. You want everybody to start throwing punches and getting tossed out of the game. That ain't it. That's just not it. Here's here's the thing, though, senior. Not to carry water for the NBA. However, maybe this is because of the end season tournament. I there were a lot. It, things got real. <laughs> Things got real chippy last night. Grizzlies, Lakers, you had AD and Desmond Bain going at it. OKC, uh, Spurs, which was not a close game. 
uh, I forget who it was. I'm blanking in the moment, but it looked someone looked like he threw a punch. He didn't. It was like a it was a push. Uh, but in the moment, I was like, oh my god, are we like are we full on fighting? And um, and then and then warriors wolves. Um, I I feel like you can't necessarily say there's nothing to do with the in season tournament if all these things are happening on in season tournament nights. Maybe it's that the court is doing weird things to these guys' psyches because the bright Same. colors. Also, did you see the Pels court, the Pelicans, the neon green? Yeah. It, yes. Oh, my the God. That, that would I'm mess with my mind. Truly, yeah. This yeah, is, truly this is the most college football that the NBA has ever been, by the way. Like, all of this gimmicky stuff is so deeply college football. And I get it. From a marketing standpoint, you've got a new thing. You need to beat it into people's heads. Like, I was glad to see the broadcast. Pop the graphic with the standings for this. Talk about how much the players are into it. Reinforce this idea, even if it's not directly correlated, that yes, these players are playing extra hard because they want to be in Vegas for the semis and the championship, and they want this $500,000 that comes with all of this, and have the courts that when we see it visually, like, it has worked. I have gotten Stockholm Syndrome enough to where I like the NBA midseason tournament Same. courts, and I enjoy Same. the fact that I have a visual nod that says, all right, when I see these, I know it's an NBA in-season tournament game. And I don't know what that means to me yet. Like, I don't know who's actually ahead in this tournament right now. I haven't paid attention to any of that stuff, but I go, ooh, in-season tournament, something different. And I think subtly and, that, Dad, that might be what Adam and, Silver's looking for. And here's where I disagree with you guys. You can subtly think that, but you know who else doesn't know who's in the lead? The players. How many players have said they have no idea? The only reason they know it's an in-tournament game is because of the, of the way the court looks. And the league should sell it. Anybody broadcasting the game should be bringing up every single time they come back from break. I agree with that. They should be selling the hell out of this thing. But I will completely disagree that the fights last night were because they were tournament games. I don't buy it, and I never will. Not at this point. I don't think enough players even know. I, I, I shouldn't say that. They know yeah. it because of the court. They know yeah. it because of the court, but that is not you're telling if you're trying to tell me that that would not have happened if it wasn't an in-season game, I'm disagreeing completely. All three of them? All three of them? All of them. All of them. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Absolutely. Okay. What yeah. I will say, I feel like this is already working. I feel like the in-season tournament has proved itself. If we are I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think that um I always actually thought that this was a good idea. I always thought that because it just by virtue of it happening, I knew we were going to be talking about it. Everyone in sports media, because it is a thing. And I think that the courts have done a huge amount to help that because it is this visual thing. I actually I have to tell you guys, first time I saw these courts, I was like, oh, these are hideous. I don't know how I'm going to watch basketball on these things. And in the back of my head, I knew I was like, you're kind of going to like it. And it's actually going to be helpful. Because you're going to see that and you're going to know. And I just think that giving us some sort of, it's like when you're, it's like when you're a little kid and it's like, if someone gives you a blank piece of paper and they say, you say like, tell me what to draw. You need someone to tell you what to draw. But if they give you a coloring book, you're like, oh yes, I know exactly what to do with this thing. And the NBA has basically given us a coloring book and said, here is something to make the beginning of the season a little bit more interesting, something that we know you are going to engage with because we just gave you the coloring book. They just gave it to us, and here we are, and we're talking about it during football season, which was the whole point. 
We're talking about and it because there was a fight. We're not talking about the game. Well, we're talking about it because there was a fight. That's why we're talking but we're about talking this. we're talking on the in-season tournament. And, yeah, the, we're still no, talking No, the only reason we're doing it is because, we there was a, because there was a fight. You want, you, here, here's when I'll give in to what you guys are saying. Show me the ratings. Show me the ratings that the in-tournament games oh, here are rating we go. higher. Media executive what? dad. Media. But wait, I, it, it, so, so wait a minute. Well, so, so you can just arbitrarily tell me that they're more interesting, yes. yet if the ratings are lower, you're still going to bang the drum that they're more interesting when less people are watching. I mean, give me a Absolutely break. That makes no vibes. sense even, at all. No, even without the fights last night, though, I still, before the fights happened last night, I texted Mike and I was like, I think we should talk about the in-season tournament. And is it working? Is it not? Sure, maybe some of that is by virtue of the fact that this is the first year. So we're going to be talking about it no matter what. But we still are talking about it. And then when enough stuff happens in those games, whether it's because of it or not, I was sort of being cheeky when I was like, maybe it's because of it. Uh, Whether or not, it still gives us something to contextualize this entire experience in. And that's where I think that the NBA has already won with this thing. Completely agree. Whether it's translating to ratings, I don't know. It's definitely translating to attention from people like us. Yeah, it's an economy of eyeballs that you're looking at here and how that manifest can always be dealt with, I think, in traditional metrics and numbers like that. It did also mask with volume and ferocity last night the fact that that Chet Wemby matchup that we were really building up, Oklahoma State and the Spurs, had 17 combined points between the two. And I actually felt Shaq's frustration on the TMT halftime desk because normally I just kind of chuckle and watch them be the old-time guys and talk about the good old days and Shaq just criticize every big man by saying, if you were actually good like me, you would just dominate and take over the game <laughs> like Shaquille O'Neal, one of the best basketball players ever. I wanted to see those guys actually go up against each other. I'm not even talking about in the block. Face up on the perimeter. Do anything. Yeah. And we barely had any interaction between those two. And it made me sad. Wemby went 8.14 rebounds, Chet 9.7 rebounds, and Oklahoma City blew him out 123.87. So, yeah, it was a it was a big-time dud. That, and I get them trying to build it up. They should. But, unfortunately, it was a dud. Oh, look at our look at our in-season tournament courts here on the bump out here. Is that my mugshot? Wow. What the hell's wrong with you guys? <laughs> <laughs> dad what do you do when you're out with friends the waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help Mm, that's a great question so what what should i do you should have some confidence dad or as our friends at jaegermeister call it shotfidence if everyone's having trouble ordering here's what you do you take charge you grab the bull by the horns you find that dog in you and you make an executive decision and just order for the table a round of ice cold jaegermeister shots damn that's cold Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. 
And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, God, NBA fight night brought out the absolute best in us. That was the sports talk radioist thing that we've done in quite a while around here. We all walked into the break and we're like, that felt good. That felt nice. It did. You know what? It, I can see how Mad Dogs lasted as long as he had in the industry because when you go and attack every day just like that, you yeah, feel yeah. so alive. It's like the fountain of youth for sports talking ahead, Charlotte. Yeah, it, 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 it it's was really- those days. All we need to do is open the caller line now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Truly, oh getting getting an argument like that go. I mean, it's a high. It really is. The, the, the yeah. cameras go off, and we're like, "Whoo, we are cooking." Yeah, uh, yeah. Wait, a cigarette going, after this guys. one. Let's- it was delightful. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, let's get real spicy. Well, I mean, you know what? We can keep doing that because I was amazed yesterday, guys. The thing that would have led were it not for a, you know Rudy Gobert getting choked out by Draymond Green would have been what went on with the Buffalo Bills yesterday. Coming off that loss in Monday Night Football, Ken Dorsey, their offensive coordinator, gets fired, and Buffalo's kind of in a tailspin now. You've got Trevon Diggs, Stephon Diggs' brother out here, subtweeting the organization, saying we need to get 14 out of there, talking about how Josh Allen wasn't anything until uh, Stephon Diggs got over here. And it ignited, Dad, this whole conversation about what the actual problem is with the Buffalo Bills because I saw a lot of people understandably pointing out that dad when you look at every way that we can measure offensive production for an nfl football team the buffalo bills are one of the best offenses in the nfl except for turnovers and as many people have pointed out it's not like ken dorsey just calls the turnover play and things happen so did you think firing ken dorsey was justifiable at this juncture dad no i think this is one of those things that uh, Sean McDermott felt he had to do something because he feels he has a playoff team. We all thought he had a, had a playoff team, and now they're going to be scratching to make the playoffs, and they're better than what they're showing. Listen, early on in the season, there was, a I think, a three-game stretch where they scored weeks two to four, two, three, and four. They scored at least 37 points in those games. Now they've gone six games without scoring 26 points. But you're right. A lot of times there's a sacrificial lamb when you feel like a change has to be made because you sit there and you look at the bottom line, Bills fire offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey, and right under it, it says four turnovers and a a season-high four drop passes. Well, that has zero to do with Ken Dorsey. Nothing to do with Ken Dorsey. Josh Allen leads the league in turnovers, 11 interceptions and three fumbles. And they have drop balls. They've had you know a decent amount this year of that as well. So it's not rolling right now. So he's a sacrificial lamb. Because, yes, you cannot equate as much as people may try to equate turnovers, maybe saying they're putting Josh Allen in a bad position and throwing turnovers. I don't want to hear that garbage. I, I, I don't. You know, turn, turn, players, as I've always, always said, this goes all the way back to the Belichick-Brady argument, who meant more. And they're both Hall of Famers, and, and they both meant a lot. But I will always lean to the player because they're the ones on the field that have to execute. When you break down the game of football, it is a game of one-on-ones. Win your battle. You can have whatever game plan that you want, but if enough of your guys win your battles, you're usually in good shape. And when you're turning the ball over and dropping passes, that has nothing to do with the play call. So did Ken Dorsey deserve it? 
Probably not, but they've had a streak of not scoring 26 points. And this is one of those where you felt you needed to make a change for the sake of saying, we have a good team. We need to stir the pot a little bit. As Sean McDermott tried to say, this isn't just the last couple of games. This is over the entire season. Well, the entire season also showed you guys scoring 37 points in three weeks in a row. So, yeah, uh, do I think it was fair? But as we say, you know, a fair is where pigs are, are you know, it's it's not it's not in pro sports. A fair, yeah, a fair as is I've a place where they judge pigs. pigs as judge I've always pigs. said, Thank a fair is a place where pigs are. Where, where um, pigs are, yeah, something like that. But, uh, I, I, no, Dad, I, I think you're right is the math of this is – they paid Josh Allen a lot of money and he is the player. So Josh Allen is going to stay here and they had to do something to show that they were trying. And usually that manifests in the coach and the offensive coordinator getting fired. Sean McDermott has now parted ways with his offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator in the last year. And so you're starting to see the walls closing in a little bit because Charlotte, I look at this and say, there are a lot of ways I can absolve Ken Dorsey. You remember, was the quarterback coach for Josh Allen during the good years. So he has been a part right. of Josh Allen's positive development. You could say, hey, you need to do a little bit more in trying to coach some of the turnover-prone stuff out of Josh. He seems like the one quarterback in that star class that hasn't adjusted to the way that defenses have started playing them. Charlotte, do you think it's also because we anointed Josh a little bit too soon? Like, did we try and get a little bit too over our skis with our evaluation of this guy? I mean, yes and no, because when he's been good, he's been unbelievable. Um, I think his combination, his the sheer power he has with his arm and the ability to scramble the way he can, um, I think there's obviously something very special there. And sure, in hindsight, you can say we we anointed him too soon if he's had 11 interceptions, but what would you say to us when he was really rolling and they were you know a second away from the Super Bowl if they had gotten a coin toss different against the Chiefs like I I think that it becomes very easy retroactively to be like we said he was too good too soon which sure maybe we did what my question is is what is going on for him to be so rattled uh I think in the game against the Jets the first was that the first game of the season first game of the season um, yep he said he said after the game, he said, I can't be forcing these plays. I can't be trying to will this to happen. So to me, he's still doing that. He had, what, two, three turnovers in that game? Two, I, I, however, two interceptions, what, and, a, two interceptions yeah, yeah. and a fumble and lost a fumble. in that game, yeah. yes. Yeah, so to me, his saying that then, I, I've been sort of paying attention to that since because it seems like he's still trying to force it. And if he – if I don't think it's Ken Dorsey's fault. I don't think it's any one person's fault. I think there's something going on there that has him shaken up, and Sean McDermott's got to figure out what that is. And, and you know, listen, a, a lot of this isn't new. I mean, he has four fumbles this year. Last year he had eight. Year before, five, four, seven, five. So he's fumbled the ball before. He's had double-digit interceptions every single year except his second year where he had nine. But he's on pace to have the most interceptions. The most he had was 15 back in 2021, and he's got 11 already. But he had 14 last year, 15 the year before. But you make up for that by throwing 34 and 35 touchdowns. So you deal with the interceptions. The one thing that makes it hard to judge with Josh Allen and an or coordinator, in my opinion, is Josh Allen creates, right? That's one of the things he does. You can have standard plays for him, but at the end of the day, he's going to create some things by getting out of the pocket and either throwing the ball or running the ball. 
But that also leads to problems. That also can lead to turnovers, especially turnovers in the red zone when instead of, you know, every play, unless it's a, a planned half roll or something like that or a boot, is to be thrown from the pocket to your reads, one, two, three, outlet, whatever it is. And I'm, that's obviously in here as well. But Josh does things on his own, which can cause those problems and lead to interceptions and fumbles. So if you're going to try and make him back to that, that, that quarterback of just staying in the pocket, that's, to me, that's wrong as well. You live with the good and the bad because of how he plays the game. And right now, unfortunately, it's more bad that Joe Brady now has to deal with. Remember, it was Dayball who was the OC. Dorsey was the quarterback coach. Dayball goes to New York. Dorsey takes over. Now Dorsey's gone. Joe Brady takes over, who came to fame when he, when he you know, led Joe Burrow's LSU team to the national championship. And he had a two-year stint in Carolina that was eh. So then he became the quarterback coach in Buffalo and now he's the OC so I don't know if there's a fix here because as I said you're dealing with interceptions you're dealing with fumbles well by Josh creating you can't make him just a pocket quarterback and, and to your point they've been really good in all the years that yes. you've been turning the ball over yes. this team has gotten deep postseason runs you guys have both said it I think we can arrive at a place where Josh Allen is still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL he's probably not on that Burrow Mahomes tip where he can overcome so much and offset other parts of your roster that are super deficient because we've seen other areas number two receiver the decay of this defense to a certain extent all these things around Josh that have changed that maybe don't insulate you as much from some of the mistakes he is seen seems to be the one quarterback in that top tier that we talked about who has not made that shift from, okay, if teams want to take away the big play, I've got to be a little bit more patient. And we'll wait and see if that's something that the Bills can overcome or if the next iteration of this team is going to have to involve a different Josh. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Before we get to the rest of the AFC East and Charlotte's New England Patriots, or currently New England Patriots, I've heard rumors that Charlotte's got a little bit of a side team situation working right now, Uh so we're going to explore some complicated romance as there's trouble in paradise there. But to (laughs) put a bow on this conversation that we've had about Buffalo, because we were talking even during the break here about how 
how much of this is the cost of doing business with Josh Allen, where you've gotten one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, not the best quarterback, not someone who's actually going to challenge Patrick Mahomes, but one of, on his best days, the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, and on his worst, one that can turn the ball over enough to cost you games. How much of that is just the cost of doing business for a team that succeeded, for the most part, under him, and where they're at right now? Because I saw this, um, Mina Kimes tweeted this out yesterday, that in the last month where we've seen the Buffalo Bills struggle, they have been first in success rate eighth in epa per play expected points added per play all metrics that are good signs and 32nd in turnover margins so even by their standards dad because turnover luck is something we talk about all the time usually if you're turning the ball over a ton or not very much at all it's gonna find its way back to the middle somewhere see the minnesota vikings early this season with all the fumbles lost there with josh allen and buffalo it's been a pretty consistent through line with him we've seen he's had the most interceptions since he entered the league but this even seems like a more extreme version to where regression back to the mean and the buffalo bills playing better and turning the ball over slightly less than this which has been the worst rate in the league does feel like something that's statistically probable at this point and will likely have us talking a different way about josh allen who's still going to be the same quarterback in the midst of all this no i I agree are we going to be shocked this team still makes the playoffs and puts it together and makes a run they have the talent to do that I mean, right now they're just sputtering a little bit. As you mentioned, you know, complimentary football is not there as much, but we've seen it before. And we all talk about it's not where you start, Charlotte. It's where you finish. And if you can be hitting on all cylinders by the end of the year and get into the playoffs, that's all that matters. I do think, though, that there's some locker room stuff that is probably going to need to be ironed out. We saw that in the offseason. There are rumors about something going on with – Stefan Diggs and Josh and I have Stefan Diggs' brother tweeting like he, about how he's got to get out of it. We got to get 14 out of there. And, and it just I that to me is the part of this that I don't know enough about to speak on definitively, but that I feel might there's something there's something that's not football related that is going on. I think I'm totally speculating here. I feel like there's something in that environment that Josh is something's rattling that team because I I don't see why otherwise suddenly he would start regressing the way he is and and maybe maybe it's something maybe it's not in the locker room maybe it's not the team maybe it's something going on with him I just feel like people often discount for athletes how much whatever's going on in their life or whatever is happening off the field can actually impact your performance and yes the best can go compartmentalize just you know completely do their job without it affecting them but there's still people and there's still like very human elements of this and i just feel like there's probably something else happening here um that's contributing to everything that's going on if that's not too far of a reach and Mike, real quick, Stefan Diggs isn't going anywhere unless they trade him. I mean, next year he has a thirty-one or thirty-two million dollar dead cap hit. You know, they're 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 not going to eat that. So, but I agree with you, Charlotte. We saw that from the beginning of the year. Was there an issue going on, and is there one now? Maybe they need a players only meeting like the Jets had, because usually everything is solved. I, they had a players, players only, only meeting. meeting. Latavius Murray called the players only meeting before this game, and then they went out yeah. and lost. Now Latavius yeah. Murray can at least look up and say, "Hey, I went out there and did my thing because the Bills' <laughs> rushing attack actually showed up in this." Ken yep. Dorsey did put the ball in somebody else's hand, but everyone was dropping it in this game. James Cook was yep. dropping that ball. Latavius. 
Marquez Murray, I think, might have been the only guy that didn't give it up coming out of that Bills backfield. So even the players only meeting could not save it. I agree, Charlotte. There's been a lot of smoke on this situation. I don't think it's that reckless because we've seen way more than most teams coming out of that locker room in a way that's indicative because nothing else. You look on the field, all of Stephon Diggs' numbers since he came over there have been top of the league. Targets, yards, catches, all these things. Statistically, he's been one of the most productive, if not the most productive receiver in the NFL since he came over here. And you, you talking about that, we're all reaching for something like that because the rest of it on paper, again, is this team that is simultaneously the most confusing team in football and the simplest team in football because they've got all these great things about them. They've got all these talented players, but they're being undone by turnovers in a way that we can't figure out because turnovers are difficult and random. And so it leaves us, I think, simultaneously overrating and underrating what's wrong here. Josh Allen is still an incredible quarterback. Is he Mahomes, Burrow, and a couple of the guys in that top three range? No, definitively not at this point. But he's still better than most of the guys that you got out here in the NFL, despite the fact that he's a little bit reckless with the football. And that's sometimes a little bit hard for people to get out from. Uh, Speaking of quarterbacks, though, let's get to Charlotte's relationship issues in New England. This was (laughs) Mac Jones from yesterday on the idea that he is no longer the Patriots starting quarterback. There's a lot of will they, won't they about Mac Jones's future there. Here was the Patriots quarterback. I don't know first team, second team or not talking about his future. No, we haven't talked about that. Um, really just today we watched the game film and uh, kind of talked about the plans for the bye week. So we have practice tomorrow. So um, just see, see how it goes there. And, you know, the bye week's a great time to work on things that, you can do better, so that's what I'm going to do. That courtesy of 93.7 FM and Dad, the bye week probably couldn't have come at any better time here, but Charlotte, I want to start with you because you're obviously our Patriots aficionado on this show. This has to be the last time we've seen Mac Jones on the field, right? This weekend just felt like the straw that broke the camel's back. I couldn't even watch it. I couldn't even watch it. I was just like, this is, it was the, the, I slept in on Sunday and when I woke up and I saw what the score was, I was just like, yeah, I think, um, I think I'm good. Um, it's really sad. It's really the most pathetic way that you could, uh, our, our dear friend, Jessica Spatana tweeted, I thought I would enjoy the Patriots downfall more, but it's just been so pathetic. Um, and I think that for me, it's as a fan of the team, it's been like, okay, well, there's not really, you can't hang on to any hope anymore. Even, even in the beginning of the season, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe we've seen Mac was in the pro bowl once. Remember that? And and it's (laughs) just like, he he just, after he just like throws the ball to the other team enough times, you're like, okay, well, what are we doing here? And I don't know what we're doing here because I don't know that Bailey Zappi is your answer. I feel like he probably would have been playing if he'd been the answer. Is Will Greer the answer? I don't, probably not. Um, like what, what are, it's just, it, it, I come back again and again to Bill Belichick as the GM. I think that that is, that has been the biggest mistake the Patriots have made. I think if you had a different GM in there, if you had another voice in the room, if you had someone pushing back being like, are you sure? Then he would have remained a much better coach. But I think the, the collection of that power he just started making decisions that um i don't think were in the best interest of the roster and we've seen it for like three four i mean even at the the tail end of brady's time there we've seen it um so 
that's sort of how <laughs> I'm doing and, about and, it. And quite, quite honestly, you know, we keep talking about where Bill's going to be. And one of the thought is, will Bill relinquish that role? And, and no, I don't think he will. So if, if he's maybe a, a different team next year, and I do think he will mm-hmm. keep coaching, even if he's gone, I do think uh, deep down he'd love to get that record uh, from Don Shula. But as far as is Mac Jones done playing, Mike, I would think he would be, but there's no way you can say it just because of the names Charlotte mentioned. What if Bailey Zappi comes in and throws two interceptions in the first half of a game? You're just going to leave him in there? Will Greer is going to get a chance? Plus, uh, would they maybe, you know, the possibility of injury? So while I would think Mac would be done and Mac will be done in New England, you know, when this is when this season's over, I can't sit here and say he's done taking a snap I think they would rather him be done now, but the tale of the other two quarterbacks, I have no idea where it's going to end up. The 2021 draft class not having a great time on the quarterback front as Zach Wilson and Mac Jones are both trapped in the same hell. Really, their teams are trapped in the same hell right now where there aren't a lot of better options out there. You know this person's not going to be your quarterback. Still got like half a season left that you got to hang out with them. Enjoy that fun here. Coming up next, though, speaking of relationships, we got to tap in with one of the most emotional scenes in the Bachelor franchise's history. like the theme of the first hour has been messy relationship statuses so we'll get to some very messy comments from yankees gm brian cashman here shortly huh. and the response that we've already seen but it wouldn't be a wilder wednesday if we didn't get a little bit of a reality check here the golden bachelor a show so good it's actually drawn my dad back in to the bachelor franchise had the women tell all last week so we're like three weeks out from the actual finale they have very heavily teased the fantasy suites coming up which we've got golden oldies sex about to go down uh in oh a way yeah everyone's way too comfortable talking about jesse palmer was a little too excited you could see gary was not super comfortable standing next to him knowing that his family and his daughter charlotte were watching that listening to uh, jesse talk about their dad going out there and knocking the boot yeah i this is what's been the most fascinating to me about the whole thing i'm like what are they going to do about fantasy suites is it going to be like and because the the preview they showed was Gary being like, for me, it's about pillow talk. And I'm like, oh, is it Gary? You made out with right. anyone who had a pulse this season. You you kissed so many ladies and you told yeah. us you liked it. Um, it's I, I don't know. I feel like this is unbelievable television. I am so sucked in. I can't get enough. I also feel like it's still horrible. Like, I think it's really mean. I think I have such a hard time. Like the women tell all faith crying like. That wasn't that wasn't like cute bachelor crying. That was like Faith like couldn't talk. She was full on yeah. sobbing, asking Gary why he didn't choose her after he dumped her after hometowns. And apparently they hadn't spoken to each other since. And you're doing this until it's like I just kept imagining if like my mom were up. I was like, this is, I would I would murder Jesse Palmer. I would go. I would like. <laughs> I would I would take down everyone at ABC for making my mom feel that way. Um, so I don't know. I feel conflicted. I think they're obviously with The Bachelor, there are always dangling the carrot of hope of love. I think sometimes the idea of a relationship 
is what matters more to people than the actual person they would be in the relationship with. And I think when you're 25 and young and these women go home in the limos being like, I'm never going to find someone. It's like, you're going to be married in four years. Like, don't worry about it. And so for the older women where Faith is like, I don't know that I'm going to feel this way about someone because I hadn't in 25 years. It's like, okay, I hope you're wrong. I hope a bunch of people slide into your DMs because of this. But like, it, it seems like real heartbreak guys yeah i think the stakes feel different because of the timeline presented like i remember at one point ellen was doing a toast and she's like here's to finding love for the last decade and i'm like oh god that's right like deadlines drive results in this so it makes it feel a little bit more real and you're right charlotte i I think dad and this is where i'm curious from your perspective because so many of us i think watch this and see like Oh, people are watching and saying, oh, that's like my parents. That's like my grandparents. They see people that they respect, that they love, that they admire in this. You look up there and a couple of these people, there are a couple of 60-year-olds in there like Joan. So you see a few of their peers out there. This is a, a, a couple of things. Um, I, I do enjoy this, A, because it's an hour less. Um, that helps. And B, there's just no drama. I, they went to commercial one time and threw up a commercial of Bachelor in Paradise, and I wanted to throw up. All of a sudden, there's a 24-year-old. See, it's exactly what Charlotte, I don't know if I'm ever going to find love, you know, and, or two glaring at one another. It just makes me nauseous. You know, I don't know if I can ever go back to the reg, regular Bachelor because, again, it's two hours and it's a bunch of catty women. And, Mike, I want to ask you this. We're talking about the fantasy suites and how that's going to make you feel. Will it revert back to the training, training room at Notre Dame when I would talk about me and your mother and the porn music would play and you would be sitting yes. there and you and your friends would be watching porn music play while i'm talking about your ma it won't revert back to that for me because it's not you up there because i had to live this version of things directly (laughs) in the way that gary's kids are gonna have to when i when i went when my dad used to like make jokes and imply that him and my mom were gonna go home and have a little fun which never happened Imply? But yeah, which never actually happened. Imply? They would on Mike and Mike play the porn bed music. They're like, Danny, right, right, right. Dan, oh, right, like right, the right. old seventies, yeah, eighties no. porn bed music. And they would have that on in the training room at Notre Dame while I'm in there getting my ankles taped. And all my friends are looking at me like, dog, are you good? Like, no, I'm not good. Therapy's expensive. Thanks for asking. And so that's what Gary's kids are getting ready to go through here. So yes. no, yeah. I'm not going to yeah. enjoy that very much. What I did uh, take away from the women tell all though, Charlotte was, we got the most, I think, emotional moment in the history of any of these things. And it had nothing to do with Gary and everything to do with Ellen, the retired teacher and pickleball aficionado who came on the show because of her for uh, her late friend uh roberta who she referenced coming out of the limo and unfortunately passed away before this could all get going she had late stage cancer and they talked about that on the show they ended up surprising ellen with roberta's daughter in the crowd who had a bunch of really great things to say but charlotte it felt like the realest moment like even jesse palmer was in tears as the host and that hardly ever happens as that's happening so i was a puddle watching this moment happen where you saw like okay this is a dumb reality show but to these people it meant enough to where it was part of the bond towards the end of someone's life and seeing that laid out over the screen how this was something she did to honor a friend in some way i I was overwhelmed in a way i was not prepared for same and i think that this is where the complication of reality tv is what fascinates me so much about it because on one hand i can be like this is horrible for people like look at faith and on the other hand 
it's like, okay, well, you know, these two best friends who used to watch The Bachelor together their whole lives, and then one of them gets a chance to go on it, and she becomes America's sweetheart at the age of 71. I think Ellen's 71. It's it's so moving. And it is a platform for these women to be seen as people and be seen as sexy and be seen as it makes you think of of women that age in a different way as like we're sitting there and i'm like joan's really hot and it's not like joan's really hot for a six-year-old it's like she's just really hot and that i think is so important and and they're so wise and and there's so much that they've seen obviously um but that story about i mean i was i was sobbing like i wasn't cute crying i was full-on full-on it it you know and and i think that that was a moment that surprised me in it didn't feel as manipulative as a lot of these things can it felt like ellen did this for her friend and came on to give us an update and the friend's daughter was there and you could just see the real love between them. And I mean, I'm going to get choked up talking about it. It was really it was really remarkable. And and that to me, I was like, OK, these things are complicated, like watching watching any reality TV, but especially The Golden Bachelor. You just have to have like multiple things are true at once in your head. And this felt like the the one of the more genuine moments we've seen, or if not the from this from this franchise. What, what I what I'd like what I'd like to know is how does Jesse Palmer now go back to a twenty five year old getting out of a limo who's a actress slash bartender looking did. for love and clicks. You know, I mean that I that's when he'll be going. The the paycheck's really good. The paycheck's really good. The paycheck's really good. <laughs> I. It, it, you know what it is funny is I think of, and I thought you were going to say, how does Jesse Palmer go back to calling college football games on the weekend? That's such a decidedly different tenor than this. But I actually think in the way Charlotte laid it out there, this entire ordeal is a reminder of why Charlotte Wilder, the arbiter on what is and isn't sports in the world, The Bachelor has always been and will always be sports because it is an inherently silly thing that we have ascribed and some people have ascribed a lot of meaning to, like sports. These are young people wearing costumes, running into each other, or dunking balls into a metal rim, or any other number of stupid things in the base description of a sport that we've decided matter so much that they are the bonds that cement multiple generations of families, or that keep families together, or that get people through hard times when you've got a loved one sick. We create meaning in places where there isn't it, and that was the perfect example of that in that show. Totally, and they're also inherently contradictory. There are horrible things about all of them, and they are not necessarily good for you, and yet is the takeaway from them worth it? And maybe that's why we talk about them for a living? I don't know, I like to believe it. I like to believe it, guys. I I like to believe it as well. The takeaway from all this, by the way, is that you need to make sure that you have downloaded, subscribed, rated, and reviewed Oddball, Charlotte Wilder, and Amin Hassan, giving you great NBA takes every day but Monday during the weekdays here. Charlotte, thanks so much, buddy. You're the best. Truly always a pleasure. Thanks, Charlotte. Coming up next, though, we've got breaking news from inside the world of the NFL. Did the Cleveland Browns season end or just begin? Next, here on Gojo and Golan.